Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 35. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussed together, discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if they were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Turn in your Bibles back to the teaching text that Jake 
read for us, Luke chapter 24. We've been in the Gospel of Luke the last few weeks, and we'll conclude this study today, and next week we'll begin continuing through the pastoral epistles in, in Titus, but turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to be looking at the pretty much the whole chapter, Lord willing. Luke chapter 24, if you got, don't have your Bible, the Black Pew Bible there, it's page 1051. Let me read this quote and see if you can guess uh, what book this was taken from. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief, it was the epic of incredulity. It was a season of light, it was the season of darkness. These are the opening lines of what book? Anybody know? Huh? Yeah, Tell of Two Cities, Charles Dickens. Yeah. Um, think about it for a second. Can you think, is the worst of times is the best times? Can you think about the uh, worst day of your life? Or when was the worst time in your life? And that's a rhetorical question. You don't answer that. But think about that for a second. The worst day, the worst time, the waste worst period in your life. It may be a, a tragedy, maybe a loss, maybe a, a death in the family, maybe it's a loss of a marriage, maybe it was a financial blow. My grandmother used to love telling, she would tell me stories about World War II and all the difficulties that she faced as my grandfather went to off to war in the Pacific, but she was left alone with two babies and all the struggles she went through. What about the greatest time in your life? The greatest moment. Maybe it was a, a wedding, maybe the birth of a child, maybe it was a day you received some award. Of course, for Christians... We would say it's the day that we were born again. We became a believer. We swapped teams, being at enmity with God. Now we're a part of the family of God. Of course, that would be a, a special day for each of us as Christians. Well, the followers of Jesus, his disciples, had just experienced one of the worst days of their lives in context here, Luke chapter 24. They had for three years been following Jesus. They had given up everything they had, and they heard him teach, and he taught with authority like no one they'd ever heard. And, and he healed people, the, the sick and the lame and the blind. He even raised dead people back to life. As a result, the disciples had begun to put their faith and trust in him. And although they didn't completely understand, they knew that he was the Messiah, the chosen one. A few days before our text today, Jesus had entered Jerusalem to the accolades fitting a king. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. These accolades, and then 
On top of that, Jesus driving out the money changers in the temple prompted the religious leaders to seek out his arrest. Jesus was arrested, which was followed by a a mock trial where he was sentenced to be crucified, and the sentence had been carried out on Friday. Good Friday. I can only imagine the confusion, the disappointment they must have been going through. Definitely one of the worst times in their lives up to that point. But soon, they're going to experience the greatest day of their life. Today in our text, we're going to learn three things. One, that Jesus' resurrection validates that he was who he said he was and he can be trusted. Second thing we're going to learn today is that Jesus' resurrection was foretold All the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, points us to Jesus. And thirdly, Jesus' resurrection validates our ability and need to be a witness for him. Look at verses 1. We're going to, it's a lot of text, and I didn't even um, give Jake all of our text to to read. We'll read some of that in just a moment, but it's it's a rather large chunk of text. We're going to kind of move through a narrative text rather quickly. But look at verse 1. It tells us it was the first day of the week, which was Sunday. And it had been a full week since Jesus had entered Jerusalem to the accolades of the well-wishers. And several women, Mary, Jesus' mother, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and others went to the tomb with spices to complete Jesus' burial. Think about that kind of like we take flowers to graveyards today to put on the tombs of loved ones. They went Sunday because the Sabbath ended on Saturday at sundown, so they wouldn't have been able to see much in the dark. And if you remember, when Jesus was put to death, it was so near the beginning of the Sabbath that the disciples only had time to hurriedly prepare his body. Spices were applied, but not the kind of treatment that would be given a a loved one. So these women, because they were devoted to Jesus, went to properly prepare his body for burial. They get to the tomb, but they saw something strange. Not only was the stone rolled away, but the body was gone. Hmm. There's a lot of famous grave sites in the world today. You think of any? Pyramids, what are they famous for? Housing the mummified kings, the pharaohs of Egypt, right? Westminster Abbey, you might think of that one. It's famous because that's where the kings and queens of England are buried. Arlington Cemetery, anybody ever been there? We went last summer. Yeah, it's great, wasn't it? It's just somber and it's a wonderful thing. I think everyone should go if they're in that area. But it's well known, it's the resting place of the bodies of thousands who have given their life for our freedom. Pretty neat. Pretty somber. And then we have the garden tomb of Jesus of Nazareth. What's it famous for? Yeah, it's empty. Yeah, it's empty. There's no one there. And the women were perplexed, it says. They're trying to figure out what happened to the body. And then two angels appeared, and they're frightened, of course. Anybody seen an angel? Me neither. Yeah, it's kind of wild. And the angel said to the ladies, verse 5, 6, and 7, Why do you seek the living among the dead? 
He's not here, but has risen. This is real important. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third, and, and on the third day rise? Tombs are for dead people. Jesus is not there. So first thing from our text, Jesus' resurrection validates that Jesus was who he said he was, and he can be trusted. What the angels do, they reminded the women that Jesus is doing just what he said he would do. Now, I had to make a phone call this week to a pastor friend of mine. This pastor friend of mine has been meeting a need of somebody and uh, wasn't able to do that anymore, and so we had talked, and I gave him my word. I'm going to take care of that for you, for her, for this person, this needy um, lady. And so I began to call. Didn't get a call back, and so I began to text. I didn't get a text back, and then there's a deadline here, and all of a sudden the deadline passes, and I didn't help this person that I said I was going to help. So I called my buddy, my pastor friend. I said, look, I'm sorry, and I explained what happened. I couldn't get in touch with this person. They wouldn't call, and I even had friends of mine that worked with them say, hey, would you have them call me and to no avail? But I, I called my pastor friend just to say, look, I told you I would do it. And I'm sorry it didn't get done. It wasn't because I didn't want to. This is what happened. I wanted him to know that I'm a man of my word. Because in my profession, a man without integrity is like being a pilot of blind or being a musician of death. It just doesn't work. What kind of savior would Jesus be if he didn't do what he said he would do? He wouldn't be a savior at all. He'd be no God at all. He'd be no redeemer at all all. So Jesus had been telling his disciples that he would be put to death, but on the third day he would rise from the dead. And they didn't understand totally. They didn't quite get it. But as we'll see in our text, he appeared to them and the evidence he gave them by letting them see him and touch him and, and see him eat proved that he had indeed risen. Resurrection is really, really, really important. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, it's Paul writing to the church there in Corinth. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain. Your faith also is vain. Get that? If Christ has not been raised, if there's no resurrection, then our preaching, our teaching... All of this we're doing is in vain. We had this conversation yesterday, Sarah and I. I was at their house. We were talking about getting up early. I mean, it's 1030 is when we start our worship time, and I think that's pretty late in the day. I can't imagine sleeping that long. But for some of you, you got up out of bed to come here. You could be doing a lot of other things, working, doing stuff around the house. If the resurrection didn't occur, then you should have kept doing what you were doing because you're wasting your time. But Jesus said he would rise, and he did. In Luke's gospel, we see it in chapter 9, verse 22. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Again, chapter 18, we saw this a couple weeks ago. 
verses 31 through 34. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. See, every time Jesus tells his disciples about what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem, he gives more and more detail. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what he was saying. Look at verse 8. The angels speaking to the women at the tomb. And then they remembered his words. They remembered what he had said to them. Now they had either heard Jesus say this to the apostles, or Jesus had told them as well. And we don't want to dismiss these ladies' love for Jesus, but the fact that they're at the tomb at all, tells us that they didn't completely understand and completely believe Jesus. He said, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise on the third day. So why would they be at the tomb if they really believed it? They didn't. They didn't get it. But they were devoted to the Lord, and they went. Jesus said he would rise, and he did it. And he followed through with what he said he would do. And I think there's two aspects of that that I think are important. There's a moral aspect to that. I mean, here's Jesus, the Messiah, the God-man. He says he's going to do something. Does he do it? Does he have integrity in him? We would say, yes, he does. He said he would do something, and he did it. He has integrity. The second aspect is this adeptness aspect or this capability aspect, meaning does Jesus actually have the ability to to do what he said he would do? Does he have the, uh, what it takes? Does he have what it takes to get it done? Like me and my pastor friend, I call him and I tell him, hey, I, I tried to get in hold of this lady, meet, her, meet this need in her life, but I, I couldn't get in touch with her. I wanted to. My motives are pure. I wanted to be a man in my word, but guess what? I didn't have the ability to make it happen. Because my abilities are finite. I'm just a, a, just a dude. I'm just a man. But Jesus, on the other hand, he was true to his word because of his integrity, but he was also had the ability to get it done. We call that being sovereign. Morgan talked about that in our combined small group this morning. Jesus is a man of his word, but, but he's also uh, the God-man who can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So the women, they take that message. They go and they report this to the disciples. And, of course, the disciples didn't completely understand. They thought it was a little crazy. Look at verse 11. Maybe it was a little too good to be true kind of thoughts going on in their head. And then verse 12, Peter, I want to see this for myself. And so he, he runs to the tomb and he finds it also empty. And then verses 13 through 35, this really interesting story only recorded to us by Luke. These two followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus, 
they're sad and they're perplexed and they're having this conversation, John, about what went on in Jerusalem and, and they're defeated and they're disappointed. Jesus walks along. They don't identify him. They can't recognize him. And that's a good thing because it allow him to teach them where they would listen. What are you talking about? What's going on? Why are you so sad? And he, they begin to re, rehash all that had gone on the last few days. Look at verse 21. Notice how they misunderstood Jesus' mission. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. As Morgan pointed out this morning, they were... They were thinking as he's going to Jerusalem, there's going to be this consummation of his kingdom. But actually, all he's going to do is get coronated. There's going to be inauguration. It's just the beginning of his kingdom as Jesus is put to death and rises on the third day. And what did Jesus do? He began to teach them that the Christ had to suffer it was just as the prophets foretold, verses 25 through 27. And then Jesus has a meal with him, verse 30 and 31. And what happens? Their eyes are opened. When he was at the table with them, verse 30, he took the bread and blessed it and, and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he, uh, immediately he vanished from their sight. How cool is that? Look at verse 32. Even before Jesus even before he opened their eyes and revealed himself to these disciples. Look at verse 32. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Even before Jesus opened their eyes, the interpretations of the scripture were already at work convincing them of the resurrection. We'll come back to that in just a moment. But what do these disciples do? They've seen the risen Lord. They're excited. They go back. And they tell all the others about what had just happened. Look at verse 36. Let's read this together. And they were talking about these things. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit, thought it was a ghost. Spooky. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? They were just like the, the women. The women were going to the tomb to find a dead Jesus, and Jesus had told them he was going to rise. Look at verse 39. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. Touch my hands. Touch my feet. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they were still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. What's Jesus doing? They have doubt. They're bewildered. They're confused. They're excited. All these combined emotions. What does he do? He pierced, lets them touch them. Watch me eat. A ghost doesn't eat. A spirit doesn't eat. What is he doing? He's proven who... He is. He's proven he's resurrected. And they're doubting. They're marveling. That's the same 
response Peter had when he went to the empty tomb. So they touched his wounded hands and feet, ate a piece of fish. Look at verse 44. He reminds them of his own words. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance of, for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. They saw him. They touched him. Saw him eat. Jesus reminds them of what he had already said to them, and then he pointed them to the Scriptures. What are the Scriptures about? The video was a great little video. just about the redemption story. Yeah, redemption story is all about Christ. Jesus, refer, Jesus refers to the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. He mentioned all three genres of these writings to indicate that all of Scripture is pointing us and bearing witness to Christ. And that's the second thing we learned today. Jesus' resurrection was foretold. All the Scripture points us to Jesus. So we got verse 27 where he reminds the women. They're reminded that the law and prophets, the Psalms, they all point to Jesus. And here, the rest of the disciples, they're told the same thing. This is the hermeneutical key to understanding the Bible. Hermeneutics is a science of interpretation of the Bible. So this is the hermeneutical key. The Bible is about Jesus. All of it. The Old Testament. The New Testament. The message of the... Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is thread throughout the Scriptures. It's the overall message of the 66 books in the Scriptures. Lee Tangersley, he says, This fact is precisely why Paul can say that he determined to know nothing among the Corinthians but Christ crucified, while also telling the Ephesian elders that he had preached them the whole counsel of God. For in proclaiming the whole counsel of God, the, the whole of Scripture, one will be proclaiming Christ crucified. Jesus says, it's all about me. It's all about these events that's taken place these last few days. It's all pointing to, to this. There's some Jews that wanted to kill him in John 5, 39 through 40, and then verse 46, he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And the Jews, they held scriptures in high regard. They just didn't understand them. And it is they that bear witness about me, the scriptures. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. For if you believe Moses, they held Moses in high regard. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of who? Jesus says of me. The law, the prophets, the Psalms, they all point to me. The law. Think about Moses, for he wrote of me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis. Who wrote Genesis? Moses, yeah. This is the cur when the, the serpent is cursed. 
God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, speaking to the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Her offspring, who's that referring to? Her offspring is Jesus. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. He and his, that's Jesus. Yeah. The law, pointing to Jesus. The prophets, there are many. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, familiar passage. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's Jesus. And the Psalms. Turn, turn with me. Just hold your spot there. We're going to come back to Luke 24. Look at Acts 2 real quick. Flip over. Black Pew Bible, um, page 1081. Acts 2, starting verse 22. This is the, the sermon at Pentecost that Peter preaches, where 3,000 people are saved. Look at verse 22. He's preaching. To all those that are celebrating the Passover, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Interesting sermon to be listening to. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, and this is David, King David. This is Psalm 16, verses 8 through 11. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life. You will make known... You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And Peter goes on, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would, not, that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. That's Psalm 132 verse 11. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. What's Peter saying? That psalm, that's talking about Jesus. It's not talking about David. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, this is Psalm 110, verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard that this, that they were, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit. This cut to the heart, you know what's going on there? Just like the, the disciples that are walking on the road to Emmaus, and they said, You know, when Jesus was interpreting and teaching the Scriptures, my heart burned within me. Yes, we see something similar here on the day of Pentecost. They were cut to the heart as... Peter read and interpreted the scriptures for him. Jesus opened the minds of the 
disciples to understand the scriptures. What did they now understand? In verse 45, what did they now understand? Luke 24. They understood the necessity of the death, resurrection of Christ. Not only that, but they understood the necessity of their witness to those facts. Notice, Luke, this is his great commission. Think about the great commission you think of Matthew 28. But look at verses 40, 48, and 49. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And the third thing we learn, Jesus' resurrection validates our ability and need to be a witness. Think about this. Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. You're going to be empowered for ministry. Don't go anywhere. Stay here. The Holy Spirit's going to come, empower you for ministry, and they will, you'll be able to go out and be my witnesses. Think about it. We, as believers, new covenant believers, are we not empowered as well? We I mean, think about this Easter season as Chris was sharing in our welcome this morning. It's a great time for striking up conversation with your neighbors or your coworkers. Think about those that need to hear about Jesus. What a great time to share the gospel message. It's real easy. Real easy. It's one of the Christmas and Easter. It's, it's easy to share. With your coworkers, you just go in and say, hey, what would y'all do this weekend? And they're going to tell you, and then what are they going to ask you? I mean, unless you've got a self-absorbed coworker and you've got a few of those that never ask you any questions, yeah, you have those. But by and large, they're going to ask you, what would you do? You don't tell them about all the other stuff, right? You don't tell them about how your ball team won or your ball team lost or whatever. You say, no, hey, it was Easter on Sunday, man. I went to church. And hey, this is what the preacher preached about. You share the gospel. Yes, it's, it's easy. Great opportunity. And it's real easy tomorrow morning to share the gospel. Students at school, ask your friends, ask your teachers, your teachers that don't know the Lord that need to hear the gospel. Hey, what'd you do this weekend? Hey, I went to church. Yesterday was Easter. You know, our tradition, we go to church. It's a real important day, and this is why. Share the gospel. These disciples, they had experienced the worst day of their life on Friday. They saw who they thought was going to be this king who was going to go into Jerusalem, overthrow the Roman Empire, the Roman army, and set up a kingdom there on earth immediately. They were disillusioned. They didn't understand. Disbelieving in some ways. Terrible day. They're scattered. They're scrambling. They're denying Jesus. But this is Sunday, which because of the resurrection is the best day of their life. It was the worst of days, and now it is the best of days. Who were given the responsibility of sharing this incredible news, death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah? Who was given that responsibility? The disciples, the apostles, who benefited from Jesus' work. How many of you have benefited from Christ's work? Any of you? <laughs> yeah, we've been given the same responsibility, haven't we? Yeah, we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit, and we have the responsibility to 
we benefited from the work of Christ, so we need to share that gospel message. And Although they've been devastated on Friday, disciples are now elated because Jesus was indeed the one in whom they could place their trust. He had proven to them that he had indeed risen and had opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. Happy day. Jürgen Moltmann, y'all know him? Read much of his work. He's a German theologian, but he, he says this. God weeps with us. Speaking about Good Friday leading up to Easter, he says, God weeps with us so that we may someday laugh with him. Isn't that great? The resurrection. What's the benefits of the resurrection? Oh, there's so many. There's so many. Romans 4.25 The resurrection made it possible for us to be forgiven and to be made righteous who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. We're made right with the Father. We're not at enmity with Him. Those at enmity with God, what does He do? Crushes them. He judges them. Guess what? Because of the resurrection, we could be justified. Yeah, that's one of the benefits. 1 Corinthians 6, 14. Jesus' resurrection gives us courage in death, hope of a future resurrection as well. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Unless Jesus comes back, we're all going to die physically. But what happens when we breathe our last? Michael Johnson breathes her last and she's in glory with the Lord, living for all eternity with the one who saved her from her sin. Yeah, that's the hope we have because of the resurrection. John 11, 25, 26, Jesus is speaking to Martha, Mary and Martha, sister to Lazarus. Jesus said to her, trying to comfort her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. So today, by way of application, we, we celebrate. It's a great day. It is, Morgan said this several times this morning. It's a really, it's a fun day. It's a great day. And you've got traditions. Some of you are you're with your family, and you have something you're going to do. Involves dying eggs, hunting eggs, those kind of things, getting together, eating certain foods. Those are good things. You're here. It's a tradition. You're here on Easter. Worship. Yeah, it's a great tradition. There's tradition today, and it's a wonderful day to be together with family and, and, and to worship together. But let's celebrate today. Be thankful. Have a time where you spend with the Lord being thankful for Christ. <coughs> For not just his death, but his resurrection. And what that means for you and for me and for the church. Secondly, we celebrate today. Secondly, but just by way of application. Jesus keeps his word. He said, I'm going to die and I'm going to rise on the third day. And that's what happened. Exactly what happened. You can trust Jesus. Everything written in the scriptures, everything is right and good and will happen. Not only does he have, 
he keep his word, but, but he can keep his word because he's sovereign. Everything that happens, he's control over. Nothing happens that he don't cause or allow. We know that because of the resurrection. The resurrection vindicates Jesus. The religious leaders, boo, right? They, they hated Jesus. Looking for ways to kill him. Religious leaders wanting to kill him. Hmm. Said, you're not the Christ. You're not the Christ. And Jesus dies and he rises from the dead. Who raises, who, who, who raises from the dead? It's not God. He vindicated himself in the resurrection. And he can do whatever he says he'll do. He's going to accomplish his will. Several times Jesus... Here in our text, it says that they remembered the, the women. The angels tell the women, remember how he told you? And in verse 8, they remembered his words. Again with the disciples, remember how I told you? I told you this was going to happen. I told you this was going to happen. We can believe God's word. All the scriptures, the Old Testament, the New Testament, point to Jesus, his redemptive work. It's all about Christ. And we can believe it. Have you read the scriptures and, or have you been in a worship service or Bible study? You might have been listening to a sermon, maybe in your own Bible study, and this, your heart burned within you. The, the two men walking on the road to Emmaus. Even before Jesus showed him who he was, as he's ex explaining, interpreting the scriptures, the, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, how they're pointing to him. It's burning within me. Did not our hearts burn within us while we talked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Your hearts burn within you? It's, for some, maybe the heart, your heart hasn't burned within you. Maybe because you haven't read the Scriptures much. You have to read the Scriptures for it to burn within you. So by way of application, maybe we need to read the Scriptures and study the Scriptures. And if you're like, well, I really don't know how to study the Scriptures. That's my job. That's my job to teach you how. And I'd love to teach you how. Tell me, I really don't know how to study for myself. I haven't had that. Sometimes when I hear preaching and Sit on the teach of the word that the scriptures, my heart burns within me, but I really don't, that really doesn't happen in my everyday life or it doesn't happen when I study the scriptures. I'd love to show you how to study for yourself. Lastly, by way of application, we're, we're beneficiaries of his work. We're given the responsibility to spread the news. And, and again, like I've said already, this is a great time. This is a great week. Connor, tomorrow is the easiest day to share the gospel. Steve, the easiest day to share the gospel with your, with your coworkers. You got a coworker, classmate, colleague. Tomorrow is the easiest day to share.
Hey, it was Easter, went to church. Resurrection day. This is what the preacher talked about. Let me share it with you. Easy. Non-confrontational, it'll be palatable. They may say, I don't believe that, blah, blah, blah. That's okay. They need to hear the truth. Yeah. So let's be faithful and let's do that. Man, Jesus rose from the dead. And that is something to be excited about. And we're benefited from his work. Now our job is to tell others about his work. Praise team, won't y'all come on up? We're going to sing. We have hope because of the resurrection. Come on up here. We're going to sing a resurrection song, and we're going to be done. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask you to stand. Man, if you're visiting with us, we're really glad you're here. See some family members of folks I hadn't seen in a while. Glad you're here. If you're like, you know, I want to share the gospel more. I've benefited from God's work, but I don't really know how to do that. Wednesday nights is what we're doing. You ought to know by Wednesday night, the first part of three circles. If you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I want to know, text Morgan, text myself. We'll send you that. Learn that, and we'll, we'll go with that Wednesday night. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word and how we can study the scriptures and we can learn about Christ and be reminded of Jesus' sacrifice for us in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Lord, we're thankful that we have your inspired and errant and fallible word in our own language that we can read anytime we want. And Father, may you give us a desire to read it, that our hearts would burn within us, that we could be compelled and empowered and convicted and all those things we need. Father, we acknowledge that we're beneficiaries of your work in Christ and we are to be faithful in sharing the gospel. It's not just for preachers, but it's for all believers. And Father, may our people get equipped. Father, may you use our study time on Wednesday to equip our people to share the gospel in a, in a faithful, gracious way. And Father, if there's anybody here, whether they be a child or a student or an adult that is yet to repent and believe, I pray that you would take the good news of Jesus and how he died for sinners and how he was buried and on the third day he rose so that sinners could be justified. May that gospel message ring loud in their ears and may you draw lost people to yourself. Father, save lost people today. And I want to, tell, I want to say to, to us all today, if that's you and you're not sure if you know the Lord, you're not sure if you have been saved and you want to be, I'd love to talk to you about that. I'll be the last one to leave today. Please ask me and stay and we can talk about that. Let's sing, and we'll be dismissed.
Lord.